Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. We hope you enjoyed the message. Well, good morning, Dogwood. How are you? Glad you are here. We are in our fourth uh, Sunday of our seven-week 40 Days of Prayer uh, campaign, and I'm so excited that you're still a part. Uh, this, this, we, we do one of these every year, every fall. Um, of course, we're always interested in your spiritual growth, but we aim all of our guns at this, our life groups for all ages, daily devotional, scripture memory, all of the worship services, the messages uh, in the worship services are all aligned uh, and planned for optimal impact on you and me and our spiritual growth, growing closer to, more in love with, and more like our Lord Jesus. That's what we're after. You know, we assume that by coming to church that you, you probably want to grow spiritually. So that's what we're working on here uh, today. And in this campaign, we're learning to pray. We, we like the, uh, the disciples of Jesus, uh, have come to him and say, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, every human being almost on the earth prays to something or someone. God put it in us to seek someone up there, out there to seek him. Not everyone prays to him, uh, but uh, we have this urge within us to, um, to communicate with him. And so uh, we're learning. Now, out of all of the spiritual growth campaigns, churchwide spiritual growth campaigns we've ever done, this one is generating the most questions. By far, I'm getting more uh, emails and notes and text messages and personal conversations about, you know, I studied this and what, and what, but what about this? I, I didn't anticipate that. This one, by far, by far and away, the, the world champion question-producing uh, campaign. And so let, let me say this. Uh, if you'll hang on to uh, and, and come to all of your life group sessions, do all of your daily devotionals that we've provided, and listen to all the messages, I'm going to get to most of your questions. But until the seventh week is over, you might not hear from me. There's a ton of you guys asking really, really good questions. Now, I'm excited about that because that means you're engaged with God in this uh, journey. So, yay, way to go. Uh, how many of you had a tough time getting in the, on the campus and getting a parking space and getting in here today? A few of you? It was all the singers' fault. They went too long <laughs> last service. <clears throat> At least that's what I told everybody to say. No, it was me. This sermon I've discovered after delivering it one time is kind of like trying to chew a piece of steak fat. You ever done that? The longer you chew it, the bigger it gets. There's more to... Okay, this sermon was kind of like that. So this is going to be one of those days that you need to listen very, very quickly. The last crowd was really slow. And so, uh, so we're going to jump in. Today I want to get very practical uh, on uh, learning to pray. And I want to, I want to give you um, maybe five uh, suggestions from God's Word to try out in your personal communication with God uh, this week. You know, our God is multidimensional. Uh, he is wonderfully complex, wonderfully complex. Uh, and some would say, well, God's so up there, out there, we could never know or understand Him. Now, that's not quite true because, um, in fact, in 
in the book of Jeremiah, he tells us there's one thing that he gives us permission to boast about. So nobody should be boastful. He said, well, about one thing. Boast that you, watch this, understand and know me. Hmm. So evidently, there's some things about him that we can understand and we can experience a relationship with him. You know, we don't follow a list of rules or precepts um, or a doctrine in that sense. We, Christianity follows a person. We are pursuing uh, an intimate relationship with God uh, that we know as the Lord Jesus Christ. And He is a God who reveals Himself. Uh, He has always wanted us to know uh, who He is and what He's like. And uh, He is a God that if He were not self-revealing, we wouldn't know Him at all. But He made us with the capacity to know Him. He created us with that capacity. And then He went about, the Bible says, He tells us in His Word that He reveals uh, Himself through creation. That's why many times you'll be with people out in, in, in a beautiful garden or a park and they'll say, wow, I feel so close to God out here. Well, you should. Uh, he made it that way. He reveals things about Himself through creation. He says that He revealed Himself through His written Word, the Bible, and ultimately He reveals Himself, who He is and what He's like, through the person of Jesus. He said, I'm going to, they need an object lesson. I'm going to step out of heaven, take on the form of a man, and I, He did, and His name was Jesus. This is me. I, he, Jesus one time said, if you've seen me, you've seen God. That I am Him. So He is a self-revealing God. And uh, He is, he's, so yes, He does also say, I'm so multidimensional and so wonderfully complex, you will never fully comprehend me, but you, you can know a whole lot about me and you can know me personally. So we're going to talk about some of those dimensions of God uh, today. Uh, there are many sides, wonderful sides to His person and personality. He is fascinating. He is the most fascinating person in existence, and He is therefore, that's why people, you and I, uh, when we begin to pursue Him, will become more and more fascinated with knowing who He is and what He's like and, and knowing Him personally. You can spend your life pursuing intimacy with and knowledge of uh, God. Now, <clears throat> since God is so wonderful, since He is so uh, multifaceted and, and multidimensional, He knows all about every dimension of your life. He knows about every aspect of my life. Therefore, we can pray about every area, every facet, every dimension of our lives. We can talk with Him. Nothing's off limits uh, with God. And so I want to give you five of those dimensions today uh, that you can practically practice this week in your conversations with uh, God. Hey, guys, give me a little more monitor up here. Thanks. Um, you can practice in your conversations with God uh, that will enrich your communication with Him. So, five dimensions. Now, there, uh, there's not going to be notes on the screen today. If you've got your workbook, turn to your sermon notes page. If you've not, get, take a bulletin. We've given you a blank page to get a few notes. Grab a pen. Here we go. Now, since God is multidimensional, 
I first of all practice in my prayers, and I'm encouraging you to do this, I first of all spend some time looking back. Write down the words, look back uh, in your prayer time. Now here's what I mean. I look back into the past, and I look in particular, I look back at the cross of Christ. I spend some time in His presence thinking of, meditating uh, on, uh, thinking deeply and rightly about the cross of Christ, what Jesus did, His person, what He accomplished when He died on the cross in our place because of our sin for our uh, sin. I look back at the cross. Now, it's a good place to start in your prayer time because it reminds us of three things. And I don't have a lot of time to explain these, but here's what it does. It reminds me how deeply God loves me. So how, how do I know God loves me? Well, Romans chapter 5 verse 8, jot that down. Romans 5 verse 8 says, God demonstrated His love toward us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now what that means, what do you mean we were still sinners? It means that we were still living self-directed, self-controlled lives. So that's a sinner? Yep, that's what sinners are. That means that we are in rebellion and revolt and resistance against the rule of Christ over our lives. We don't want to be under His authority. We don't want to be under His... You know, we're, we, don't, we don't want him telling us what to do. Now, we, we appreciate him. It's fine to call on him when we need him, but I'm in charge. I'm in charge. That's called rebellion. That's called uh, revolt against the rule and the reign of God in our lives. And anyone who is, is, by, is on purpose in that position is outside the family of God. They're, we are self Righteous. I don't need God. I'm righteous enough. I'm okay. Now, they may be very, very moral people. You may be a very, very moral person, much more uh, moral and ethical uh, than me, but you can still be in revolt and rebellion against the rule of Jesus over your life. Do you understand that? I'm good enough. I don't need God. I don't want God. I've, I've got, I'm, I'm my own God. Now, we don't say we're our own God, but that's what we, you know, we pretty much bow down in front of a full-length mirror every morning. And I'm in, I'm in charge, self-directed life. But when I think of the cross, I'm reminded of how much He loves me, how much He loves me in that He died for my sin. It also reminds me of how evil and costly sin is. For it is your sin and my sin that held Him to the cross until it was finished. And what was finished? Until He had atoned fully for our sin. And it reminds me, once again, I need daily reminder of how completely I'm forgiven. Because He fully atoned for our sin, so that we would not have to. So that if we trust Him, we are completely forgiven and accepted by God. I need to say that out loud to myself every day. In fact, I say it out loud to myself several times a day. I recommend that you do uh, the same thing. Listen to this. First Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19 says this, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of of God. So when I when I pray and try this, pray look back, look into the past, the dimension of the the past where the cross is, where your sins are, and 
what Christ did. Spend a little time looking back on the cross. Got it? Got it? Second, because God is multidimensional, I also spend and recommend you spend a little time looking up. Write down the words, look up. Look up. Now, here's what I mean by that. I spend some time looking up into the face of my loving, good, heavenly Father. Loving, good, heavenly Father. Write down those four words. Loving, good, heavenly Father. I look up and reflect on the fact that He is a good Father. We like to sing that song, He's a, You're a good, good Father, our heavenly Father. Some of you had earthly fathers who were rotten. Now, it's so hard for, to accept that because when you talk to me about him, you say, well, I, you know, I know Daddy did the best he could. No, he didn't. He was terrible. I mean, he was terrible to some of you. Let's admit it. And because of that, you have a hard time thinking of God in good terms when you think of Him as Father. So we've got to counteract that. God says, yeah, there's some stinker fathers, but I'm a really good one. Good, good, loving, heavenly Father. He is the picture of the heavenly, a loving, heavenly Father. And so I recommend that you start your prayers with the words, My loving, good, heavenly Father. Jesus taught us to pray that way in the model prayer. Or uh, if you're out of the, uh, a Roman Catholic background, you know it as the Our Father. Pretty good title for the model prayer. But he recommends starting with acknowledging that God is our heavenly Father and He's a really, really good one. He's a really, really good one. Uh, because, you know, it'll change how you pray. Now, for some of you, you've always prayed that way with Him in mind. But it'll change how you um, pray. You know, what you call someone sets the tone of the conversation, doesn't it? Whether you call, start out calling them something bad, you know, that, it usually goes south from there, right? Yeah. Or if you call them something good, it, it sets the tone of the conversation. When you acknowledge God as your loving, good, heavenly Father, it, it sets the tone for the conversation. Uh, uh, so do so because you are, when you come in prayer, you are not trying to convince a loan officer to give you something. You're not, trying to, to, uh, you're not giving a deposition to a, uh, an attorney. You're not taking a lie detector test with a law enforcement agent. No, no, no. You're, you're coming to converse with a loving, good, heavenly Father. Listen to this in Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17. For the spirit that God has given you does not make you slaves and cause you to be afraid. Instead, the spirit makes you God's children. And by the spirit's power, we cry out to God, Father, fa my Father. God's Spirit joins Himself to our spirits to declare that we are God's children. Since we are His children, we will possess the blessings He keeps for His people, and we will also possess with Christ what God has kept for Him. For if we share Christ's suffering, we will also share His glory. His glory. And so th this passage is so full of meaning, I just want to give you three uh, things that relate to looking up to our Heavenly Father. First of all, uh, in this passage, he tells us that he expects our prayers to be a partnership with His Holy Spirit. He says there that we pray by His Spirit, 
We are made the children of God, and by His Spirit, we cry out to God that He partners with us when we pray. Did you know that when you pray, God the Holy Spirit prays with and for you? He does. He does. And uh, listen, in in verse 26, put it in reverse, back up a, a, a few verses there. He says, also the Spirit helps us with our weakness. We don't know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself speaks to God for us, even begs God for us with deep feelings that words cannot express. You say, wait a minute, the Spirit of God speaks to God for us? God's praying to Himself? How's that work? I don't know, but that's what He says. He's basically getting across to us. He said, I know what you need. And when you, when you don't always know how to pray as you should. And number two, sometimes you're just oh so overwhelmed you can't pray. So I'll pray for you. I will pray for you. He understands that. You might come and say, Lord, in this situation, I, I don't even know what to pray. Have you ever been in a situation like that? I'm not sure what's good. I don't even know how to pray. And he, he, he is saying to you and me here, good, I'm glad you showed up because I'm here. I know, I, know what, I know what needs to be done. And then when we say, uh, sometimes we're in so much pain, we have a hard time expressing ourselves. I've told you that before. Sometimes when we're grieving great loss, we just can't form words. He says, you just show up in my presence. I know what that means. I know what that means. I can pray uh, for you. So he expects our prayer. Know that, that uh, because we're looking up into the face of a loving Heavenly Father, He will partner with us and help us pray. Second thing from this passage is He expects our prayers to be passionate in a partnership and passion. He said, the whole, by the power of the Holy Spirit, He says, we cry out to God in prayer. He didn't say we go through, you know, a rote incantation of some memorized prayer and we don't eat, we do it mindless. No, no, no. We cry out. There's some passion there. Do you hear it? Do you feel it? Because, you know, children, when they are in trouble and when they have need and when they are panicked and they cry out to their loving earthly father, uh, they, they just... They cry out. They don't care where they are. They don't care who's listening. They don't care what's going on. Daddy! Mama! I mean, if our parents, they just start crying. They cry out. They cry out. Put some feeling in your prayers. Now, you don't manufacture this, but there are, time, there are some things that... There's some things that are cry-worthy. Right? There's some things that I find the older I get and the longer I walk with the Lord and watch this world we're in, there's just some things that are just, they need crying over. It, it's, it'd be shameful not to weep over them. What's happening? With our, own, with our own soul, with our marriages and families, our kids, our parents, our neighbors, people we love, our community, our culture, there's some things that are cry-worthy to weep over them. Sometimes that's the best... Uh, that's the best praying. I mean, put some feeling in your prayers. You, many of you have heard me when I officiate funerals. You've heard me tell of what my favorite prayer. What's my favorite prayer? Say it on three. One, two, three. Okay, some of you know it. It's, oh God, oh God, oh God. That's my favorite prayer. And he knows what that means. And so, and so he says, cry out. It, he expects our prayers to be... Uh, passionate. 
He also expects our prayers to be very, very personal. Because he says, by the Spirit's power, we cry out to God, Father, my Father, is how it's translated there. But it, it, in, in one translation, it says, Abba, Father. Now, the word Abba is the, is the very intimate term that young, young children call their father in the Middle East. Abba, Papa, Daddy. It, it's the most intimate term possible for Father. And so he's saying when we are his children, be unpretentious, be honest, be unassuming, be unworried about making a good impression. And it will settle, uh, this fact will settle how you uh, pray. Because remember, all misunderstandings of prayer come from misunderstandings of God. If we think he's hard and cold and distant and out there, up there, we will pray one way. But if we think he is intimate and loving and forgiving and gracious and we think of him as like we would uh, uh, our most precious father, papa, daddy, uh, we're going to pray another way, aren't we? Yeah, we'll pray another way. And he expects us to pray that way. So here's some homework assignment. This week, start every one of your prayers with this intimate term, my heavenly daddy. So that sounds weird, pastor. I know, but it doesn't sound weird to God. It sounds weird. It's your problem. Now, so well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I should be that familiar or, or casual with God. Well, again, that's your problem because he, expect, he says, I, I, I am right here. He welcomes it. These are the in, instructions. So, Spend a lot of time there. You guys aren't listening fast enough. Here we go. So remember, in, in our multidimensional prayer, we spend some time looking back at the cross of Christ. We spend some time in prayer looking up into the face of a loving, good, heavenly Father. Loving, good, heavenly Father. And third, then I spend a little time, and I recommend you spend a little time looking inward. Look inward. Here's what I mean by that. Spend some time looking inward to Jesus who lives within you. If you're a child of God, Jesus has taken up residence in you. And, and do so see, examining your faith and the condition of your heart and your soul and your life to see if your faith is real and genuine and growing uh, in Christ. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. Now, when we, when we turn inward to Jesus living inside of us in a prayer time, what we're doing is saying, what's my condition? And, and He will show us what we are really like on the inside. You know, we're the only creatures capable of lying to themselves and believing our own lie. We, are, we can be self-deceived. We can deceive ourselves about our condition, and we're good at it, blind to our condition. I mean, everybody talks about, well, people have blind spots. Well, yeah, we do. And, but when we turn inward and say, Lord, search me and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts, see if there's any sinful wicked, bad way. Is there anything that needs cleaning up? He will show us what needs uh, to be changed. Now, would anybody here like to be better than they are? Raise your hand. Some of you don't want to be, and okay, come next week, we'll work up another talk uh, for you guys. But I mean, generally, we want to be better than we are. Well, we, well I, will, I can never get better 
until I face the things that need to be made better. And so in this time in our prayer, we spend a little time saying, Lord, what needs changing in me? Now, I'm really good at saying, you know, what needs changing in Allison, my wife or my kids or my neighbor? I'd, I'd way rather do that. But that doesn't, that's no good. That's not helpful. What's helpful is to say, Lord, what needs to be changing in me? Remember the old, the old gospel spiritual? It's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Pretty good song. Matter of fact, you can sing it right here at this point in your prayer. And, and so He will shine the searchlight of His Holy Spirit in our heart and soul, our mind, how we think, our, our will, how, what, how we negotiate and what we choose, our emotions, what we feel, even our bodily tendencies and appetites, our relationships, how we relate to other, other people, how we use our material possessions, all those things. And He will start bringing correction. Listen to this. Proverbs, write this down. Proverbs chapter 28. Verse 13, look it up later. Here's what it says. If you hide your sins, you will not succeed. But if you confess and reject them, you will receive mercy. The Living Bible translation says it this way. You'll get another chance. He is the God of second chances. Listen, here's the secret. God already knows what you need to work on. He already knows what I need to work on. He already knows what needs changing in you. He already knows what needs changing in me. And so the question comes, one of the questions I've received from some of you is, well, why don't we pray about this? God knows what needs changing uh, already. Well, He does already know. But the reason He has us confess it is because He knows it's better for us if we know. Nothing happens until we acknowledge what needs. And when we open ourselves up to Him, uh, we draw closer to Him. And He draws closer uh, to us. What, What I ask you to do, invite God into what you think are the secret areas of your heart. Now, they're not secret to Him. You think they are, but they're not. But invite Him in. So when you spend some time praying... Uh, This week in the multi-dimensions, look back. Look back at the cross of Christ. Look up into the face of your loving Heavenly Father and His love for you. Uh, Look inward where Jesus lives and, and, and let Him clean you up and transform you from the inside out. And number four, look around. Look around. Here's what I mean by that. I look around and I ask God's Holy Spirit to use me for His purposes. I look around me at my relationships. I look around me at my family, my friendships, my neighbors. I look around in my church family. I look around at my community where I live. I look around in our culture uh, on this side of the planet. And therefore, and then instead of, watch this, instead of criticizing or complaining or condemning or judging or whining or for God's sake blogging some sinful stuff all over the world, In your prayer time, offer yourself up to God's Holy Spirit to be part of the solution. And say, Lord, use me. Like Isaiah the prophet, here I am, Lord, send me. Use me. Use me. And we've got to realize, if He uses you, it's probably not going to be by complaining, criticizing, condemning, judging, whining, blogging, hating other people. Now, we've been through a terrible time in our country over the past few weeks. Uh, for a lot of reasons, one of them going through this appointment process for the latest Supreme Court justice and um, how we have all treated each other as a culture. 
And I've walked into a lot of rooms with a lot of people who, who are, they are Christians. They don't claim to be, they are Christians. And I've heard them say some terrible things, depending on what side of the, who they tended to like or what they didn't like or what party. Some guy asked me the other day, I know, is your, is your church like political? Is it kind of a right wing church? I said, listen, our, our church is not right wing. Our church is not just left wing. We're kind of the whole bird. And we are. We got in our congregation. We got registered Democrats. We got registered Republicans. We've got lib- uh, libertarians. We've got we've got uh, independents, and, and then we got a few Christians, too. <laughs> so uh, that you know, so I, I want to say that's all right. God will forgive you for anything. And so, um, but but let me let me say this about the, how do we how do God's people go forward and be a force for His purposes? in the midst of a time like this. This is a time when you and I need to be saying, okay, Lord, in, my, in our culture, in the midst of all this, I'm available for your use. I'm looking around. Where do you need me to serve your purposes as a peacemaker, as a proclaimer of the gospel, in the ministry of reconciliation, of bringing healing and hope in the midst of things? And so, uh, again, as I walked into some of these different settings and hearing people say really hard things about you know, depending on where you net it out, on what side you like better or some people than the other, very harsh, very judge, very condemning, wishing bad things to happen to this person or this group or this party or that party. Uh, that's not Jesus. It's called factions and the gospel wars against factions. Um, and so how to, uh, one way to go forward may be, Lord, this, this, this person that I'm watching and I'm hearing, I don't, really, I don't like them at all. I disagree with them totally, but not only just disagree with their position, I don't like them. So what would it look like for me to love them with the love of Christ and be a part of the solution. What, what does that look like in me? Would you change that sorry, no good person? What does it look like in, what does it look like in me to have a positive impact for the gospel and the common good that God has for all people in relation to that person? It's called, like in the Sermon on the Mount, love your enemies, pray for those do good to those that are on the way on the other side of you. We we got to start there. So now we got that solved. I'm sure that's all done with right there. We got it. We got it covered. The world will be a better place. But anyway, look around. Holy Spirit, use me. Now your church is designed to be the best launching pad for your impact in the world. Your local church. And here at Dogwood, we've actually designed a a launch pad process for you to serve God's purposes. Listen to this, Romans chapter 6, verse 13. Do not let any part of your bodies become tools of wickedness to be used for sinning. That's pretty clear. But give yourselves completely to God, every part of you, for you are back from death and you want to be tools in the hands of God to be used for His good purposes. So in this Look around and say, Lord, I want to be a tool in your hands for your good purposes. 
Show me what that is. Just start there. I want to be a tool in your hands for your good purposes. Make me that kind of tool because the world is waiting for your contribution. Now, in, uh, we have created this process called the Dogwood Journey. Take your response card. Everyone take it. I want you to sign up for what you need to do next. The Dogwood Journey is a series of four seminars that are launching pads. They're, they're starting lines, not finishing lines. They're orientations, not graduate school, for launching you uh, to your maximum impact for God's purposes in the church and in the in mission in the world. Uh, they are Class 101, the Belong Seminar, uh, discover, Introduction to Our Church Family. Class 201, the Grow Seminar, uh, Introduction to Spiritual Maturity. Class 301, uh, the Serve Seminar, Discovering My Shape for Ministry. Uh, class 401, the Share Seminar, Discovering My Life Mission in the World. And uh, these seminars are designed, again, to launch you into being a tool for God's purposes in the church and in the world where you live, work, and play. And so we want, again, everyone in the church to complete the Dogwood Journey uh, process. Here's your next opportunity. Sunday evening, November the 11th. Sunday evening right here on our campus, November the 11th, we're offering all four seminars. It's going to be a great night. We're going to serve a good meal for everyone. We'll be teaching all four seminars, and we want you to go through it. Now, the sequence is important. Uh, This is intentional. It works best if you do the Belong Seminar first, Grow Seminar second, uh, Serve Seminar third, Share Seminar fourth. So, Lord, it looks like I've got them all out of order. So, Pastor Keith, what should I do? Well, just go back and fill in the blanks. Think of it as a baseball diamond. You want to touch all four bases in the right order. You can't touch them in any order you want to and score runs. And so get them in the right... It just helps that way. And so... um, For some of you, your next step is the Belong Seminar, Discovering Church Membership. Others, the Grow Seminar. Others, the um, the Serve Seminar, Discovering Your Ministry. Others, the Share Seminar. Now, some of you completed this process 25 to 30 years ago. Yeah, a bunch of you did. A bunch of you did. You might need a refresher. In fact, I think you probably do. I've discovered as I have taught these and as our pastors and staff members teach these every month or so, we find, yeah, oh yes, we are renewed and refreshed. Um, So I'd like to ask all of you who maybe completed the process five to ten years ago, across these next four or five months, complete it again as a refresher. Uh, because God may refocus you because you're, you know, you've had a lot of life experiences and growth since you completed this process. Uh, it'll be a great self-learning and uh, time uh, for, for you. So in our prayer time, look back to the cross, look up to our loving Heavenly Father, look in where Jesus lives, let Him clean up our lives, look around and ask the Holy Spirit to use us, and finally... Uh, The fifth dimension that I want you to uh, uh, think about is this. Look forward in faith. What I mean by that is this. Look forward in faith to your future with God. Now, not the distant future. Start with today. Start with today. Spend a little time finally saying, Okay, Lord, Heavenly Father, I want to look at the day you have given me this day. What should I prioritize on this day? How do you want me to spend this day? What's to be on my to-do list and in what order? 
How do you want me to structure my time? Let him prioritize your day. What decisions should I make today? Who should I contact to help me out? What should I say at the meeting that I'm going to have? I mean, you walk through your day and responsibilities at home, uh, in the marketplace, in your job, and you know when you're out on recreation, whatever it's going to be, walk through your day. And as him being your boss, your Lord, ask him to order your your day. You know, the field of um, self-help and personal development is a fascinating field, and uh, we've probably all done some reading in that field. Almost everyone says this. They recommend, uh, say it several ways. One writer says, get a uh, mastermind council in your life or a wisdom team that you can go to, people who are wise and knowledgeable in different areas of life who would say, sure, you can call on me for advice at any time. I've got, I want to recommend a wisdom team for you. It's called the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I recommend that you get with them at the start of the day because have you ever thought of God this way? God is always the most intelligent, the most knowledgeable, and the wisest person in the room. About anything. He created all knowledge, total knowledge. He has, he has firm grasp of all knowledge. He created it all. Every field of endeavor. God is always the most intelligent, most knowledgeable, wisest person in the room. And He has said to you and me, I would be willing to meet with you and mentor you every day and order your steps. And so spend some time in your prayer asking for His help. So that seems strange to me. I'm, you know, I'm an engineer. What's God have to do with a calculus equation? As my friend Dave Richardson wrote in his book, I'm going to recommend to you. Well, God said, well, not much. I just created calculus. What do you want to know? What you want to know about what do you want to know about interpersonal relationships? What you want to know about creating a business? What you want to know about managing money? What you want to know about leading a government? What you want to know about building a church and pastoring a church? I know everything. I'm happy to help you. I recommend that you make him. So, Pastor, that sounds weird. Well, just go ahead on with it, though. Just because it sounds weird or strange to you doesn't mean it's not also true. And so look forward with God, and He will order your steps. Now, we're going to practice this. Um, praying through three, these five dimensions I'm, uh, by as we observe the Lord's Supper together. I'm going to ask our musicians, wherever they are, to come on up, and our servers to come to get ready to share with you the elements of the Lord's Supper. As we move into the Lord's Supper, let me give you some instructions. The Lord's Supper is designed to help us to do the first phase of prayer, the first dimension of prayer, looking back at the cross. For as we take the the bread and the cup, we are remembering the body of Christ that was broken for us on the cross. We're remembering the blood of Christ that was shed for us on the cross in our place for our sin. And so we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. If you are not yet a believer... uh, This would be a time in the service for you to observe but not yet participate. This is only for those who have already prayed to receive Christ. You go ahead and start serving them and I'll give them instructions. Just go ahead and start serving them. 
As you receive the Lord's Supper, remember we are to examine ourselves to make sure we're in the faith, to make sure we're in good fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And as we, uh, as you receive these elements, you go ahead and partake of them personally when you are ready. The Scriptures say this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, took bread. And when He'd given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, He took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. And so when you are prepared, you go ahead and receive those elements of the Lord's Supper on your own. Continue in prayer, looking back at the cross of Christ. And then our musicians are going to come and they're going to lead us in a series of songs. In between each song, you will be instructed on the video screens of how to pray in the, the next dimension of prayer as I have taught you this morning. At any time, you may get up and go to the prayer wall if you need to there. But uh, you follow along and our leaders will lead us in this time of drawing near, worshiping God in prayer. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you would like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword DOGWOOD to 77977 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and to give.